Hello and welcome to the Double Pivot, the world's most agreeable soccer analytics podcast. I am Michael Cayley. We are joining you here on a Monday because we are getting back into regular podcasting schedule. It's exciting. And we are doing this by changing our podcasting schedule. So there are sort of two stories we want to talk about. And it struck us that it kind of made sense to talk about them separately. So we are going to be talking about Marcelo Bielsa and Jesse March and Leeds. And we are going to be talking about, on the other podcast, the whole Ukraine situation, how it's affecting soccer. So uh, I'm joined by Mike Goodman, who is talking to me in a group chat about one of these topics and talking to everyone online about the other. So uh, how's it going? <laughs> I'm actually not sure which is which when you phrase it that way. Uh, the music you heard on the way in is The Wailers. Please download, subscribe, make us happy as podcasters. Patreon.com slash double pivot. Um, yeah. Um, let's just start and talk about Bielsa a little bit. And then we'll just, I don't know, talk about Ukraine stuff. Because there's a lot of Ukraine-related soccer stuff going on. Um and uh, given everything, I can at least wrap my hands and brain around that corner of the Ukraine story. Um, so Bielsa's out at, at, at Leeds. It looks like a foregone uh, conclusion that Jesse Marsh is going to replace him. And, like, Leeds are not knee safe from the relegation battle here. Uh, and they've been truly terrible for about a month and a half now. Um... I don't know if it was anybody. If it was anybody but Bielsa, I would say it would be an easy decision to get rid of him. Uh, if it was anybody but Bielsa, there wouldn't be a push to keep him. But given that it is Bielsa, and there's and he has this, you know, the aura about him, there was both a push to keep him, and he demanded to leave, and he was like happy to go, more or less. I don't know if he demanded to leave, but it was like. He wasn't like, you're fired. It was like a, yeah, we all agree. Let, like, it's time. Which is like a very Bielsa thing. Um, sort of walking away. In, in other circumstances, literally having walked away in these moments, here it seems as if it was something more mutual. So, like, what do we think about the whole thing? Yeah, so, like, you know, they lost 4-0 to Tottenham after losing 6-0 to Liverpool, after losing 4-2 to Manchester United, after losing 3-0 to Everton, after drawing 3-3 with Aston Villa. It's not good. Like, <laughs> like it's really not good. Yeah, and, and, and in very few, like, in a couple of those games, they were somewhat better than the score suggests. Uh, a, a Tottenham perhaps being... The main one, in many ways, they were done in by some very good Tottenham finishing of, of reasonably good chances. But the thing that was clear in all of those games was that they just couldn't defend. Um, and, and, and you can really draw a line across their season at December 5th, which is when uh, Calvin Phillips goes out. I think it's, it's either when or around when Liam Cooper goes out as well. And up until that point, they're averaging about uh, one and a half expected goals conceded per match, which is, to be clear, bad. This was a bad defensive team, but it's been a bad defensive team forever. 
And, like, you can be a bad defensive team, and if you attack well enough, and you, you clearly are making a number of, uh, of decisions and a number of sacrifices on the defensive side in order to create those good attacking chances, then, you know, it's fine. And they, and, and they were what looked like a, a capable Premier League team with a bad defense. Um, and then in, since December 5th, they've been conceding two and a half expected goals per match. And you cannot do that and stay in the Premier League. That that's just that that is the whole thing. You cannot do that and stay in the Premier League. Those are absolutely awful numbers and and and, and not manageable numbers. And so, you know, you could say, well, Calvin Phillips should come back at some point and they should get better. But this strikes me as just like a pretty profound failure of management to not have any solution or transformation of the side in case of these injuries, which is a very Bielsa way to go out. Just sticking with the thing. Right? This is this is the thing. That, like, what Leeds did was play extremely open and have Calvin Phillips be really, really good to um, sort of make up for it now i don't like I, I there's a risk when you see that that it like gets read as denigrating bielsa but like bielsa was the guy that figured out that calvin phillips was that guy and put calvin phillips in that position to be incredibly successful as the guy that gave you just enough defense to play incredibly open um but part of what bielsa does is do his thing no matter what and the fact of the matter is is what is incredibly clear about this lead side is that without Phillips there is just no way to like hang together enough defensively to to like make up like while playing this way like there's just no way to do it it's it's not a like it's not contentious to say that they needed to play differently without Phillips and that Bielsa was not going to do that. Now, maybe you just sort of, like, suck it up anyway and hope it's enough to, like, stay in the Premier League. But, like, it is clear, like, the choices that Bielsa made were poor, are poor choices for this situation in which he finds himself. This is not a matter of, well, any manager would obviously fail here. It is, like, equally true that, like, most managers would not have built a lead side that would have been as good with this collection of talent. Um, so you get the good with the bad with somebody like Bielsa. And it's just, now you get the bad. Yeah, and, and we've talked about this before, but the, the striking thing about Bielsa at Leeds, in particular Bielsa's leads in the Premier League, is that Bielsa previously managed uh, Marseille, and uh, athletic club in Bilbao, and and now he comes to Leeds. Before that, his his management experience was mostly at the national team level or in um or in South America, and those athletic club and Marseille teams were exceptionally distinctive. The the man marking press, the incredibly high pace, tons of turnovers, but they were not bad defensive teams. They had a attacking defensive balance that they manage 
based on uh, incredibly high uh, work rates. And instead, and what, what happened at the end of his time, both those places were that players got so burned out and got injured at rates that they could not continue. And, 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 and he left. But th- they were like good teams. And, and this Leeds team, that was really the story of Leeds in the championship. And there seemed to be a certain degree to which he was scaling back his work rate demands a little bit. And, and it seemed a little bit more manageable. There were not as many players getting injured. He stayed at Leeds longer than he has stayed at any club team before. It's not clear exactly what the transformation was, but then when Leeds came up into the Premier League, they were by far the worst defensive Marcelo Bielsa team that anyone had ever seen. Um, I don't know, maybe there were some in, in, in Argentina. I can't, I can't speak to that. But And this was clearly a choice that he had made in particular with the way that he kept his wingbacks and even wide centerbacks flying up the pitch, pressing high against opposition fullbacks, and and getting involved in the penalty area. And and, and these were just not players who were physically capable of doing that and also fully defending the space that they had. And it worked to a degree because of Calvin Phillips' range, but it didn't, like, work as a defensive strategy. It was just that the attacking value he got out of doing that was worth it, such that they could eat the defensive side of it. And that was really cool. We haven't seen a team really succeed like that in the Premier League for a long time. And they clearly did it for a significant period of time. But it was a different set of choices by Bielsa with a, a, a different set of talent. And I do wonder if it was just as much of a high-wire act in a different way. That the high wire act before had been this work rate that no one could ever maintain. And the high wire act now is trying to play this way without quite the talent to do it. And it was really fun while it lasted, but it's hard to be surprised that it ended. Yeah, I mean, I think all of that is is right. Um, I think it's an interesting thought experiment to be like, well, what would have happened if Calvin Phillips didn't get hurt? And, like, to be clear, he is not the only injury Leeds has suffered. Leeds has suffered major, a major rash of injuries. But also, to be clear, every place Marcel Bielsa has coached for more than about an hour and a half has suffered a major rash of injuries. It actually came later with Leeds than it usually does with teams. Um, which, like, we can extrapolate or not about depending on how comfortable we feel about these things but the bottom line here is that i don't think any of the issues that they have had to overcome this season are unexpected in a marcel bielsa side um so like saying yes they got unlucky with these injury rashes is kind of true um i think it is unlucky that like the the single player they could not afford to lose really went down but that's sort of what you sign up for with with the Bielsa experience. And I guess the question now is, like, does Marsh stabilize things? I know that Leeds... So Leeds Leeds had planned on moving on from Bielsa this summer and bringing in Marsh. That was, like, something they were thinking about doing. And Bielsa only had a contract at the end of the year. And I think it was just sort of like, he barely came back this year, apparently. He, like, signed his contract days before the season started. Um, So they had this sort of 
tentative plan for a succession in place. But it is a different thing now where Marsh comes in in the middle of the season needing to arrest a slide and avoid relegation. So what do we think of all that? Yeah, and, and so Jesse Marsh, we, we did a little podcast on him getting sacked by RB. And since he got sacked, RB have been one of the best teams in Germany. I think easily the second best team in Germany pretty much. They, they, they've, they've bounced right back up the table. And so there are two possible takes on this, really. One is, like, thank God they got rid of Jesse March and they transformed their team. And the other is they were fine and a new and they, they were, like, one of the easiest new manager bounces out there in world football. And we very much come down on, on, on option B. I mostly they come ha- down on option B, but I would like to complicate things slightly because I will say that under Marsh, RB Leipzig were something like the fourth best team by the numbers in the Bundesliga. And post-Marsh, they have become something like the second best team in the Bundesliga on the numbers. So I would say I would say both that there's been improvement in Leipzig, but also that it like is maybe not really Marsh's fault per se if you listen to everything that the rb like hierarchy said after he left which was basically like we brought him in to play classic rb football and the players didn't want to play classic rb football and that was that's on us (laughs) like that was really the story they told afterwards um which i guess leads you to the question like does Leeds have the ability to play classic rb football right because Classic RB football, what we sort of expect to see if, if, if he takes over, is a very hardworking defensive press. First and foremost, a press that is fo- focused on denying the other team the ability to do what it wants with the ball. I think we've, we've said this about, about Ralph Rangnick at United. This is the, the, this is the way the Haas and Hoodle Southampton play. And it is... It's weird as a mid-season appointment. It would make a lot of sense as a off-season appointment because you would be able to say, okay, we've got players we've picked up for their work rate, and now we're going to give them a summer to learn a different kind of press, but one that most of them should have the tools to work in. As a mid-season appointment, you don't get the, like, you know— meet the new boss different from the old boss bounce where everyone comes in is like, Oh, thank God we don't have to do all that old stuff again. You know, he's going to come in and demand massive amounts of work rate. At the same time, you don't get the benefit of, you know, keeping what you're doing because Marsh is going to come in with a different press. And like, there's a very good chance that Jesse March is going to look like a brilliant manager because he comes in right as Calvin Phillips gets fit. And, Leeds become a different team that is good enough to stay in the Premier League. But it's good. It's it's not like they're going to get the principles of a defensive press right away. Like it. it yeah. So and, I think, I think it is important to point out here that like, there is an idea. I think that because Bielsa had his guys run like crazy and Marsh has his guys run like crazy, that the systems they want to play are similar. And they really aren't like, they really aren't. Um, lead, like, if you watch what Leeds did defensively, it was all about frantically outworking the opposition to run back 
from having been incredibly attacking oriented in your positioning. Um, you know, I like I like to joke that like when I watch Leeds play under Bielsa and other Bielsa teams, when they have the ball, you see their guys run routes, like run football routes. <laughs> and then when they lose the ball, they then like their job is you have to make up ground and space on the other team. That's how you defend. That is very different than a Marsh like sort of RB family style press, which is predicated on pouncing defensively in advantageous situations to take the ball and play on the front foot in opportunities created for you by your defensiveness. Um, it is not to, I mean, he turns games into track meets because I guess the best way to think about it is this way. Marsh turns matches into track meets because his defense is incredibly aggressive. Leeds under Belsa turned matches into track meets because their attack was incredibly aggressive. And those are not the same thing. There are some skills that are translatable, but what you are supposed to be doing on the field is very, very different. And I do not think it will be easy going from one to the other. Now, that said, they have some cushion against relegation. Calvin Phillips is coming back, and I think they will probably be okay. Um, But... And also, like, Marsh is not, like, a purist in the same way Bielsa is. Like, we saw that a little bit at, 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 um, at Leipzig, where there was, like, this weird sort of tension between, like, the thing that he really wanted to do and the thing he was trying to move towards and what the players wanted to do. So I do think there will be some sort of realistic compromises to personnel. Um... I don't know what that means for the rest of their season, to be honest, though, like how that shakes out. Yeah, we, we will do a more uh, comprehensive look at the at the relegation race. But, you know, it, it's 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 very much sort of two teams that are very likely relegated in Watford and Norwich. And then one spot for several other teams that are relatively unlikely to be relegated. Each of them is unlikely to be relegated because there's only one spot for all of them, probably. And Leeds are one of those teams. Leeds have been played. Leeds underlying numbers by every metric are the worst of all of those teams. You know, including I think by uh, you know the, the the relatively important metric of points per game. Yeah, they're also the worst in that. So they're very much in position to be relegated. If you looked at their numbers just in the aggregate, you would say they are pretty clearly the bottom of the group fighting for seventeenth. But there's a number of reasons to be hopeful, in particular the injury story and how likely they are to be able to recover from that, on top of the they have been playing as if they didn't have these problems and, 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 and it's been costing them wins for a little for, for a couple months as well. Both of those make me a little more hopeful, but I mean I think that each of those teams is kind of a roll of the dice at this point. But we'll get into that. And we've ended up talking about Bielsa more than we planned to. I guess it was a more interesting topic than <laughs> we meant to. But there is a war, and not just a war. There is a war with significant football implications. And so that is where the double pivot is going to place itself. So we will be back. You will be checking this out basically at the same time because we've got a second pod for you on Russia's invasion of Ukraine and its implications for global football. And we'll see you on the other side of that. 
Cheers, y'all.